Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. As a marriage coach, I'm always interested in how a couple goes from being all about each other to what have you done for me lately? Now, the successful couples never completely make this journey. And that's not to say that some of the initial magic isn't lost. It's just that they still keep their partners and the relationship high on their priority list. Their actions follow their commitment. And yours can too. And that's the subject for today's show. And I'm pleased to welcome back Stuart Matola to the show to explain this process. He's a men's relationship coach and the author of Fixing You is Killing Me. So, Stuart, thanks for coming back on the show and talking about this ever-popular topic. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Leslie. So, in your article, Set Healthy Boundaries and Feel Free with Her, which appears on the Good Men Project and other places, you talk about this phenomenon of how we go from being just blissfully focused on our partners into not and the decision that leads to it. So can you explain what's actually happening? Sure. And just to make sure I'm on the same page with you, um, we're talking about like that early fireworks phase and then Mm -hmm. the deeper landing into long-term relationship, whether that be marriage or or just a long-term Right, where that where in, all that where all that magic and rose colored glasses kind of you know fades because of course we know it has to. We can't live in that blissful state forever. Our bodies just don't allow it. Right. So just to be clear, you're wanting to hear about why that happens. Yeah. Because I do think it's more than just the biology, right? I mean there is a, oh, there is a biological phenomenon. But Many of us are, are no longer in that in delusional, for lack of a better word. Yeah, age. yeah. I'm sure you know this, but uh, for your listeners, I mean that initial, what, six months, 12 months, 18 months, yeah. whatever it is, you know, we could also call that the honeymoon, the best behavior mm-hmm. phase. You know, you're <laughs> going to show up with your best because you want to look right. good and you're hoping, uh, you know, get some love in with your partner or whatever it is. Um, and then I think over time, what we've seen in studies show is that as people learn to trust each other more, they trust uh, that they can bring out some of their bad behaviors. And that's not mm. a conscious thing, but it unconsciously as we relax and deepen into trust and like, hey, this person's going to be around for a little bit. Um, hopefully longer than a little bit, if that's right. you know, what, what a partner is wanting. But there's a sense that, like, hey, there's been some consistency. They keep showing up. I keep showing up. Something's happening here. Um, mm-hmm. They develop some trust. And as that trust develops, well, now suddenly I don't need to be on my best behavior all the time because, mm-hmm. you know, um, I was on my best behavior all the time in the beginning because Mm. I want to make sure they keep showing up. (laughs) 
So isn't that a little bit of a disconnect? Because isn't part of the reason we keep showing up is because our partners keep making the effort? So tell me what you mean, though, by the disconnect. Well, okay, because, I mean, so, so yeah, I mean, it's that expression, familiarity breeds contempt, right? Okay, that okay. We are going to relax some, but sometimes don't we relax too much? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember having a client who he was he was very conscious of his wardrobe, and he you know he I mean he wasn't he wasn't outrageous. He just always liked to look nice. And one of his complaints was that his wife, after she came home from work, put on the same holy you know torn old sweatpants that she'd been wearing for five years. And he, he was like, could you? I mean, he didn't. He understood that she didn't want to be in her high-heeled shoes and her work clothes anymore. But he was kind of like, "Could you pick something a little bit nicer?" <laughs> right. Which, I mean, it seems it seems really small on the surface, but I think it was a really good example of uh, lack of effort. I think is is I don't mean to be judgmental about it, but it is one of those things of not necessarily putting forth my best. Right. Well, I think we're touching into a dynamic that, you know, is going to lead us into the bigger uh, conversation about boundaries relative to the article mm-hmm. that you spoke to is do partners even ask for what they want? You know, so the fact <laughs> that that man asked his wife, hey, can you put on, you know, sweatpants that are at least not five years old and don't have holes in them? You know, yeah. or like put on some yoga pants. That would be awesome, you know, or I would appreciate that or this would excite me or this would be enjoyable, and, and even that simple request, because one of the biggest things I teach with the guys I work with, and I work primarily with guys, is, you know, you are, you're often the recipient of her complaints. Well, why don't mm-hmm. you make it proactive and say, hey, I hear you got a complaint, but what's your request? You're, mm. you know, now I can be in the room, I can be engaged, I can be active, I can be participatory in seeing where I can meet the request. I can talk to you about if, hey, well, let's renegotiate that request. Can we meet here instead? And, and it's action-oriented instead of just complaining. Mm-hmm. And um, right. I've, heard it, I've heard it said uh, it's much more vulnerable to ask for what you want and receive it instead of just complain about it. Right, and 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 frequently when when people will ask their partners that it's like okay, I I hear you, I hear that there, that there's this thing that bothers you, but what is what is what is it that you really want? And a lot of times people don't know because they know what they don't like, but they don't right. necessarily know what. I mean, the alternative isn't necessarily a hundred degrees off, hundred eighty degrees opposite. Absolutely. It, it may and be I think that's part else. of the work that, that I imagine you do as well with your clients, like like turning it into the, the affirmative, like, okay, we know what you don't want. What do you want? And, mm-hmm. and so the bigger question is why do we live in a culture where it's epidemic that people can't express their wants in a kind, loving way? Why mm-hmm. are we in a culture where people don't even know what they want in relationship? Well, um, you know, in the day, I doubt their parents modeled it for them. But, you know, how many people do we know that grew up in a home where there was bickering, arguing, complaining? Mm-hmm. Um, imagine if your 
dad said to your mom, uh, sweetie, I love the meatballs that you cook three nights a week, but I would love it if we could have some salmon one night, you know, as opposed right. to me- meatballs again, God damn it, woman, <laughs> what's the problem with you? You know, I mean, it's a very different way of communicating. And obviously right. there's the deeper... Um, there's the deeper self-esteem issues underneath because a lot of people aren't even clear that they don't feel worthy to even ask for what they want. Oh, boy, you're you're bringing back conversations I overheard between my mother and my stepfather. (laughs) All right, come on, out yourself. Whoa. (laughs) Um, So so this ability, okay, so what does this ability to ask for what we want have to do with boundaries and why should couples have boundaries between themselves, between each other anyway? So let's be clear here first off. A boundary is not a wall. Okay. Okay. A boundary is permeable. And and as I, uh, you know, I'll speak to more explicitly two types of boundaries that I Mm -hmm. I work with men in. Um, a boundary allows things in and out, and sometimes we feel like, oh, I, oh boundaries, we shouldn't be doing that because the whole idea is to be open to one another. And dare I say, in the Oprah age, where mm-hmm. everything's let out, everything's expressed, um, we might call that you know, unbridled self-expression. But we don't mm-hmm. even have a filter to know what you know, we're going to express or not. And if you're in relationship with someone like that, you're going to need some boundaries. And that, you know, going back to the complaint and request thing, uh, uh, you can create a boundary in saying, hey, your complaints don't really uh, help me feel connected to you. In fact, they, 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 make, they alienate me. Um, instead, <laughs> tell me what you want. I mean, right there is creating a boundary. You know, like mm-hmm. I will not be the recipient of your complaining all the time. Right. Um, but I do want to be on your team and hear what you want. And I have had yeah, I love- you know, situations where I've seen relationships where uh, the request, dare I say the request for a request, falls on deaf ears because the other partner has, they're like, what? I don't even know what I want. It just feels good to vent and, and complain. Right. I, I mean, and that's, I mean, and that's what I, I experience all the time with, with my clients. It's like, you know, it's like, yes, your partner wants to know what, you're, what you care about, what you want, but not necessarily in, in the heat of the moment when you don't have any management over your emotions. And it's really funny because it reminds me, I mean, I've, I've talked about this before because um, my husband, my, my very calm wonderful husband said to me one day, luckily he timed it perfectly, but he made a request of me. He said, when you get upset, because he wasn't saying if, because that would be like telling me not to breathe, but when you get upset, could you, could you please handle it in a different way? Because I was like, you know, take no prisoners, flamethrower to everything in my path, you mm. know, when I get upset. And frequently he'd end up in the crossfire, even if I wasn't upset with him, it, he experienced it, so he kind of gently said to me, "It's like, hey, could you handle this a different way?" Um, yeah. Which, which I mean, he was basically telling me that this was not okay with him, but he 
but he wasn't doing it in a attacking, antagonistic, hurtful way, which <laughs> he could have yeah. done. Um, but he, you know, he he literally just made a very specific request, and it was like, and I thought about it, and I thought, yeah, he's got a point, and I've been working on it ever since. Um, do a pretty good right. job, except if I'm in the car. <laughs> so that's where that key yeah. emphasis is on that word, lovingly or kindly, to mm-hmm. ask for what you want, lovingly or kindly, and self-responsibility. Right. We can even add that as well. Right. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, underneath that, it takes some uh, self-regulation skills, the ability to manage yourself, regulate yourself, soothe yourself when you get upset, which is as simple mm-hmm. as a, a pause, breath, okay, I'm noticing I'm upset, I'm okay, what do I really want to say from a non-charged way, what do I want to Mm -hmm. say from a loving place, and so if we go, you know, like I said, a step underneath to the self-regulation, that puts us in a much more powerful place to ask for what we want lovingly, kindly, and self-responsibly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, and, and boundaries are, I mean, I love the idea because I think people think of boundaries like fences and walls, um, but right. that's not what they are. And they're not actual, you know, and, and they're actually something that protects relationships because, it, because it's a way of protecting my personal integrity, you know, that, that I can say, no, no, it's, it's like my husband said, it's not okay for you to, to talk to me like this, for you to just explode on me. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, and again, he did it because my husband's brilliant and that's why we're still married after 35 years. Um, so <laughs> what I, I need to remind people that this is Happily Ever After. It's just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. And I'm talking healthy and lasting relationships with author and men's relationship coach, Stuart Matola. And it may sound counterintuitive and even a bit weird that having space between you and your spouse is necessary for the two of you to stay together, which is why I find the concept of sacrificing for your marriage to be a harmful one. Yes, you have to negotiate. Yes, you have to make decisions. But losing who you are is both unnecessary and dangerous. So if you find that you've compromised away who you are and it's making you question both your happiness and the health of your marriage, then the time to take action is now. I invite you to schedule a free, no-obligation discovery session with me. You can do that um, by sending me an email at leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com, that's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, and is it Nancy, C is in charlie.com, or you can um, give me a call at area code 919-924-0463. Again, that's 919-924-0463. And I want to get back to this conversation about boundaries. And so, Stuart, you actually mentioned two specific boundaries that need to be in place for a healthy relationship. So what is that first boundary that needs to be set and why is it important to set it? Sure. Um, The first one I talk about, and and we can also think of, in this case, a boundary as a shield relative to if um, aggressive, abusive, uh, loud communications coming at you from your partner you have to mm-hmm. be able to set a healthy boundary to decide what do you actually let in, you know, because when you set that, and that's 
that's what I call the incoming boundary because when you set that, you're then in a much better position to actually see the, the real intent of the person speaking as opposed to just feeling blown open by the impact because you didn't have a healthy boundary. Okay, so what does, what does that boundary look like in practice? Uh, well, I had a client recently who was really into Star Trek, and so we just talked about an energetic shield. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> energetic shield, man. And so when you feel like she's trying to rip you apart or tear you down, you are now taking self-responsibility to protect yourself. And this doesn't mean that you're not um, expressing care or caring, but you're responding from a much more grounded way, um, and you're much less likely to feel attacked. And that's why that uh, article that I wrote, video I created, just said uh, set healthy boundaries and feel free with her because when you're not taking in that incoming uh, barrage, um, you're suddenly like, oh, my God, I can do that? Like, I don't have to take all that on? And I see a lot of guys who are nice guys, pleasers, fixers, rescuers, who, like, they just don't even know that's an option, that they can not take that all on. Okay, so, so what, it, is, what, what is it? I'll just say one not- more thing. Okay. You know, yeah. so when you have, when he had that, his Star Trekian boundary shield up, he was able to look at his wife and say, hey, sweetie, I see you're upset about, you know, that situation. Can you tell me what you need? You know? So he was able okay. to get to the deeper need because it's often said, uh, I often teach in a way where I say judgments or resentments are mm-hmm. a reflection of unmet needs. So I have my shield. I'm not knocked off my center. I'm cool. And it's like, hey, sweetie, you know, I hear you're upset. What do you need here? What do you need from me? What do you need for you? And, and okay, and that's for the women. Well, and I'm and I'm sitting here and I'm and I'm running through. In fact, I actually just got um, uh, some information from some clients of mine. One of them actually taped a, a, a fight, and I'm like going, oh. I mean, and, and there, was, there was actually, there were, there were no shields on either side. So how do people develop? Because, you know, when we, when we feel like we're being attacked, when somebody comes at us with harshness, name-calling, um, loud voice, our bodies automatically go into that defensive mode. So what do we need to do to be able to bring out that shield? Uh, first, to know that it's even an option. Okay. That's number one. Um, second, to notice what's happening to us, noticing impact. And, uh, you okay. Know, you could call the inner observer. A part of you is like observing, like, whoa, my, my, uh, my heart's racing. I'm starting to sweat a little bit. I'm noticing these things. These uh-huh. things are happening to me. And, and so noticing impact to you is a great way to be like, okay, I've got to put up my shield there. This is too much for me. Um, okay. Or i got to take a pause. A pause is another way of having a good boundary. Like, hey, sweetie, uh, I'm, I'm really getting worked up with the way you're communicating to me. I'm going to go take five minutes outside and come back when I'm calmer because this is not going to turn out good. Right. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And another and thing I, is, I don't know if your listeners, you know, would connect with this language, but I find it's pretty, it's pretty uh, ubiquitous out there. It's just knowing who's in charge in that moment within yourself. Is it my child who's responding or my adult? You know, the child within mm, me. Right. And that's another yeah. big thing. Like, like, oh yeah, my child's running me right now. He just wants to mm-hmm. rip off my my wife's head. Uh, I better go outside and go deal with this kid or calm him down and then come back to her. Right. So you want to, you want to interact with your adult. Of course, that's going to be the healthiest outcome for a relationship. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes it's really hard to find those adults though. So what is the second boundary? Practice, practice, right? Yes, yes, yes. What's the second (laughs) boundary you talk about? Uh, Well, that's the one where you're the one doing the screaming and yelling and uh, you just want to unleash and rip your partner's head off. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's a matter of um, getting clear on, you know, okay, I love this person. I'm not going to impose them that on them. Um, I'm going to set a boundary with myself to not express certain things. Because mm-hmm. I know it just leads to bad ends. And whoever said, uh, you know, we got to get everything out of our chest to be off our chest to be completely honest, um, that's a pretty destructive behavior pattern. We need to look right. at yeah, I is mean, this going to be productive is, or destructive? Right. And, and uncontrolled, unbridled dumping is um, I actually... Uh, yeah, ter- Terry Real calls it verbal vomit. <laughs> yes, I'm very inspired by his work, as some of your listeners may have figured out. <laughs> yeah, um, is you know is it's not helpful. I mean, that whole God was it was it the '60s? Let it all hang out. You know, it's like okay, please don't. Just like just like we don't want to see it all at the beach. We don't want to really see it all in our in our living room either. Um, you know, it's, it's to have a filter. And again, I'm going to bring you back is like, who's doing the projectile vomiting, the child mm-hmm. you or the adult? The adult's probably not going to do that. They don't really need to do that. They're self-assured. They're confident. They're calm. They're clear. And that's what I train men to do and to be in relationship, confident, calm, and clear. Right. And, and it, it's very intoxicating for the, for the woman, you know, like, <laughs> He didn't go down the rabbit hole with my, you know, hysterics just now. Again, well, and that's it's not sometimes the man's hysterical, so we can right. push it both ways. Right, and and that's you know, and um, and I'm, I'm, it, it's the one little white lie I I tell my clients that you're allowed to say that if if a conversation is spinning out of control, and you're the one who has the most control. That you're the one who calls the timeout. You're the one who says, "Okay, <laughs> yeah. yeah." It's like you don't tell your you don't tell your partner. I think that you're out of control. It's like, no, I, you know, I, I need I need to take a break right now because things aren't going well. Because That's I'm the only time I tell off. people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't really want to rip your head off. I want to actually make love to you. <laughs> right, and you know, I mean, and it's and it is a dynamic, right? Because you know, you're talking about how, you know, and you see this in movies, right? You 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 see the movies when when some disaster's happening, right? Some something bad is happening, and one person is being calm, 
and you know stepping up and going okay we need to go this way right <laughs> yeah um, right and 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 people respect that it truly is um, something that's admired but it's not necessarily easy to step into so because because our our um, primal brain interprets things as as stress as threat and so we we have this automatic thing that, that we want to do to protect ourselves so how do we call on our our adult self our our rational part of ourselves yeah I think like I mentioned uh, prior you know just noticing what's happening to us you know, that's step one, when we can just develop that ability to notice what's happening. My voice mm-hmm. is getting raised. I'm becoming destructive. Um, you know, uh, I'm feeling my heart racing. I mean, you can just go back to your body. Your body's giving you all these signals that are telling you mm-hmm. that you don't feel that that you don't feel safe. So mm-hmm. it's just being able to arrest that uh, uh, autonomic response. Uh, I love what Krishnamurti once said, uh, the greatest freedom is freedom from our own autonomic nervous system. Yeah. The freedom from reaction. You know? mm-hmm. so I, I often say you want to respond, yep. you don't want to react. So just the ability to arrest that process um, will put you in a much greater position to respond from your goal. And again, mm-hmm. it's a practice. I always like to say, you know, you go to the gym, you don't start lifting 100-pound barbells. You start at 5 pounds and you screw up a bunch and mm-hmm. you know, maybe even injure a muscle or two, you know, <laughs> the process. So, you know, the bigger challenge for a lot of people is to um, – can I curse on this podcast? Sure. The F word. <laughs> okay. mm-hmm. I, I, I often say, um, oh, you know – that's a sacred fuck up. Right. You made a mistake, but how cool that you made that mistake because now you get to learn. Oh, yeah, you yelled at your wife again. Oh, well, how cool that you're sitting here after the fact knowing that you don't want to continue like that. Mm-hmm. You know, so often we need to screw up. And the, the question is, and this is the bigger question of do we go down the rabbit hole into shame, mm-hmm. beat ourselves up about it? and just stuff it in a box and repeat, recycle, rinse, you know, kind of thing, do it over and over again, mm-hmm. or do we step out of that and say, you know what, I want to do better next time. And uh, if, for me, success is just to step out of the room for five minutes, oh, yeah, I didn't say the perfect thing back, but you know what, I stopped the cycle, so next time I'll, I'll pause and respond. And so mm-hmm. I, just, I really encourage guys and, and women to be really gentle. All that matters is that you're moving in the right direction. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean you have to master this in, you know, one or two right. uh, conf- conflicts. Well, and, but, but it, you know, it goes along with um, and this idea of the boundaries. is like, you know, I tell people, if you are in a fight, you're choosing to be in a fight. You can be angry by yourself, but you can't. But you can't fight by yourself. <laughs> um, and you may be choosing that fight consciously, or you may be. Most of the time, you're choosing it unconsciously. Choosing unconsciously. And so, what I'm hearing is, we need to move that unconscious into the conscious, 
Absolutely. And then that's where we're able to to Arrest make the, decisions. The, the, the patterns, yeah. Rewire. Well, you know the classic uh, neurons that fire together wire together. Well, if you're mm-hmm. constantly wiring neurons of conflict, aggression, rage, well, that's what's going to be wired, and that's what you're going to do. But if you right. start to arrest those th- those patterns and rewire uh, those neurons, that, that takes some time. You, you need a track record. You know, you need some experience and, and confidence that, hey, yeah, oh, actually, I can do this differently. And one of those right. key things, as we've been talking about, is setting healthy boundaries so you don't go down the rabbit hole, whether that's boundaries with yourself, like, I want to rip his head off, I'm not going <laughs> to do that. Or if that's boundaries with the other person, like, um, hey, you know, it's really hurtful when you talk to me like that. I don't like that. I would really much mm-hmm. rather hear what you'd like out of this instead of telling me what I did wrong. What would you like to see right? Right, and, you, and the cool like thing about this that people need to understand is that you can do this on your own. And by the way, when you start doing this, and, and we're talking about breaking that pattern, you're, I mean, your partner can still sputter, <laughs> but eventually they'll, they'll peter out because my husband actually did this once. It's, it's actually the last, one of the last times we had a fight, and we do not fight very often. This happened to be one of them. And he literally just said, I'm not doing this anymore. I mean, he stopped and it was like, and I wanted to keep going and I couldn't because, because there was nothing to feed. He wasn't giving me anything to yeah. feed off of. You're making me you think know. of the, the drama triangle, which is uh, the rescuer, victim, perpetrator dynamics. I won't go too into mm-hmm. it. But when one person steps out of the drama triangle, like you said, the other person can't there's no more drama triangle. Like you can't right. fight anymore. Right. One and, person and says, I'm not going to be the victim. I'm not going to be the perpetrator and I'm not going to be the rescuer. So this thing collapses. The only other option now is uh, the healthy triangle. <laughs> which is, which is what you and I are trying to get people on. So in that vein, yeah. can you please tell people where they can find you, where they can learn more about what you do, and more to the point, how you do it. Sure. Uh, i got a very robust presence on YouTube. You can just look up my name, Stuart Motola, S-T-U-A-R-T-M-O-T-O-L-A, or check out stuartmotola.com. I also run a free weekly men's group, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Mountain Time, called Men's Relationship Tools, which is on my website as well as a save-or-leave guide for those who are in that save-or-leave place in their relationship and a private uh, men's Facebook group all available on my website. So thanks so much, Leslie. And so please go check it out. And so for a marriage to work, it must work for each of the partners, which means you have to honor who you are and what matters to you if your marriage is going to thrive. Setting boundaries, as we've been talking about, isn't always easy, but it is necessary, especially the two boundaries we've been talking about today. And changing your thinking from it's doing something to your partner to it's doing something for your marriage is a good place to start. And hopefully another good place to start will be to keep listening to this show. And so until next week, stay loving.